Our scripture this morning is from Hebrews, the third and fourth chapters, Hebrews 3, 7 through 4, 13. Will you please stand for the reading of scripture? Hebrews chapter 3, beginning with verse 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in a rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in a rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses, and with whom he was provoked for forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness, and to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it, for good news has come to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened, or it did not mix with faith in the hearers. For we who have believed entered that rest, as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this passage he said, They shall not enter my rest, since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again, he appoints a certain day. Today, saying through David so long afterward in the words already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, for if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest is also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. May God add his richest blessing to the reading of this portion of his holy word. Will you pray with me, please? Again, our Father, we're thankful for your holy word, and we pray that it would be at work in us even as your word is living and active and that you would expose and discern the thoughts and intentions of our hearts 
and that your word would take us to Jesus of whom it testifies that we might have eternal life in him. So speak to us now in spite of the inability and sin of the preacher in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Be seated, please. Jesus, Lord of the Sabbath. You know the story. One Sabbath day, Jesus and his disciples were walking through a field, gleaning heads of grain to eat, much like Ruth of old had done in Boaz's field. The Old Testament, Leviticus 19 and 23, requires the owner of a field when he harvests not to harvest in the corners of the field so that the poor and the sojourner could glean enough to eat. Of course, the Pharisees criticized Jesus and the disciples as they gleaned this grain on the Sabbath day for breaking the Sabbath. And as Jesus responded to them, at the end... He said to them, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. That's where the title of this message came from. And the idea that Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath could be the subject of a long series of messages. But one aspect of it is the subject of this passage before us this morning, and it is this, Jesus gives rest. It is the principle stated in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28 at the top of your bulletin. Come to me, all ye that labor, Jesus said, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know, the word Sabbath literally means rest. And Lord means master or ruler, one who has authority over something. So Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath, is the one who has the authority to give rest. And he promises to give rest to all who will come to him. And in this passage, the author of Hebrews is telling us to do just that, to go to Jesus in order to find rest. Now let's look at it. First, in this passage, you see a sobering warning. A sobering warning. In chapter 3, look at verse 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in rebellion, on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore I was provoked with that generation and said they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Now here he quotes directly from Psalm 95, the psalm we sang at the opening of our service this morning. And Psalm 95 he warns them, today, if you hear his voice, the voice of God, do not harden your heart. Now you see, he says in verse 8, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion. Now there in Psalm 95, what he's quoting here, 
Psalm 95 refers to Meribah. Do not harden your heart as in as they did at Meribah. Meribah is found in Exodus chapter 17. In that passage, the Lord has just delivered his people once again. He already got them out of slavery in Egypt. And then, in about the 14th chapter of Exodus, as they came to the edge of the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army was approaching, the Lord parted the sea and led them through on dry ground to safety. And then as Pharaoh's army pursued them, the Lord caused the waters to come back together and drown Pharaoh's army. And then the people sang a song of praise to the Lord for delivering them in Exodus 15. Then in Exodus 16, the Lord provided them manna, bread from heaven to eat. And in the very next thing we read, Exodus 17, the people complained. They quarrel, quarrel with Moses. They're thirsty. They think there's no water. Moses says they were about to stone him to death. And they complained to God, why did you bring us out of Egypt and let us die of thirst out here in the wilderness? You remember the Lord provided water from the rock in his mercy. But the people hardened their hearts against God, just as Pharaoh, from whom he had saved them, had done. They did it again and again and again. And as a result of their hardness of heart, they wandered in the wilderness 40 years until that first generation that came out of Egypt dropped dead and did not enter the promised land. Now look at verse 12. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God, but exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. He says, take care, brothers, just lest you wind up just like them. Those Israelites... They complained against God. You see, the Israelites had seen the mighty work of God. They had known his deliverance, yet they still hardened their heart against him. And the author says, don't let this happen to you. You see a sobering warning. Secondly, in this passage, you see a remaining Sabbath a remaining Sabbath look at chapter 4 and verse 3 for we who have believed enter that rest as he has said as I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest although his words were finished from the foundation of the world for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way and God rested on the seventh day from all his works and again in this passage he said they shall not enter my rest we know the origin of the Sabbath day. God finished his work of creation in six days. 
on the seventh day he rested, not because he was tired, but because he was pleased. His work was very good. And he did it to lay down a pattern for us because we need rest. And you see, the Hebrews here says, quoting Psalm 95, that God was angry with the Israelites and swore in his wrath, they shall not enter my rest. You see, the offer is to share with God in his rest. Now, the rest that Psalm 95 is talking about, the author of Hebrews quotes here, is the promised land. Dying in the wilderness, not being able to enter the promised land, was not entering God's rest. In other words, the promised land was the equivalent of rest. I could illustrate that, which might help, but there's not time for that. What kind of preacher I am, I'd rather get out before 12 than actually make my point clear. But anyway, to get to the promised land would finally to be at peace and rest. Though it did not work out that way because of disobedience. Now look at verse 6, Hebrews 4, 6. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day, today, saying through David so long afterward, in the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Now the author of Hebrews here uses his Holy Spirit inspired powers of deduction. Let's think about this. Psalm 95 was written by David hundreds of years after the exodus from Egypt, hundreds of years after the people entered the promised land. Yet Psalm 95 says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart and fail to enter God's rest. So if long after they entered the promised land the people in the promised land were told today do not harden your heart and fail to enter rest then the real rest was not the promised land they were already there and we're told today don't fail to enter into rest. You see, the promised land was a type of a greater rest. Ultimately,
To enter God's own rest is to be with him in heaven. And the promised land was a type or a shadow of heaven. That's why the holy city in the new heavens and the new earth is called the new Jerusalem. So he says, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. That's heaven. So you see a sobering warning, a remaining Sabbath. Thirdly in this passage, you see a clear directive. Look at verse 10. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. You know, everybody I've ever committed to the earth must be getting on up towards three digits now. But everyone, when I commit the body, I quote Revelation 14, 13. I heard a voice from heaven saying, Right, from henceforth, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. Amen, saith the Spirit, for they rest from their labors. Those who die in the Lord, who enter God's eternal rest in heaven, rest from their works as God rested from his. Now look at verse 11. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Now when he says here, strive, let's strive to enter that rest, he's not saying, let's work our way to heaven. You know we're not saved by our works. We do not get to heaven by being good enough or doing enough good. By grace you're saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy. The Bible doesn't teach. We work our way to heaven. No. He's not saying work your way to heaven when he says strive to enter the rest. What he's saying is strive to make sure you get to enter that rest. Don't be like the Israelites who perished in the wilderness and never made it to the promised rest. Make sure you are going to heaven. Maybe some of this message has been complicated, but this ought to be clear. If you don't get anything else out of this message, get this. Make sure you are going to heaven. That's a clear directive. So you see a sobering warning, a remaining Sabbath, a clear directive. And fourthly and finally in this passage, we see a picture of faith. 
chapter 4 and look at verse 12. Take care, excuse me, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intention of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. This is a very famous passage. We, we all know it about the word of God being sharper than a double-edged sword. Why does he end with this? He's been talking about entering the rest of God. Now he talks about the word of God. Well, he's told us to make sure we don't miss the eternal heavenly rest. Now here... He shows us a picture of what it looks like to be going to heaven. I said the point is make sure you are going to heaven. Here's what it looks like if you are. And it is this. The word of God is active in your life. The word of God pierces our hearts, he says exposes our inmost thoughts and secrets. It is alive in us, changing us. Is the Word of God active in your life? I may have been a believer since I was a tiny child. I was raised in church. I was baptized on profession of faith. And join a Southern Baptist Church at the age of five. As far as I know, I believed it then. But I can tell you that I gained true assurance of my own salvation. And I crossed over from saying, if. I get into heaven to I am getting into heaven. When I was 16, 17 years old, when the word of God began to work in my life in a way I had never known before. Now let's pull all this together. Go back to chapter 3 and verse 12. He says, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Now look at verse, chapter 3 and verse 19. So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. You see, what, people, what keeps people out of rest, out of God's rest, what keeps people out of heaven is unbelief, plain and simple. What gets people into heaven is faith. What keeps them out is the lack of it. And where there is true faith in the heart, our author is telling us, there's true faith in your heart. The word of God is living and active in your heart. Now, chapter 4 and verse 2 is absolutely butchered in the ESV Bible. But what it says is that those who didn't make it to the promised rest of God, they did not get in because they heard the word 
but the word was not mixed with faith in them. Now look at verse chapter 3 and verse 14. For we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Now this is what happens to a person who has real faith. The word of God is active in their lives. It's received with faith. And then it says in verse chapter 3 and verse 14, they come to share in Christ. They are joined to his person. United to Jesus Christ eternally. You see, the Israelites in the wilderness, some were delivered from Egypt but never made it to the promised land. And the point is not that they were saved when they came out of Egypt and then lost later. That's not possible. The point is that they experienced, they saw, they witnessed the work of God. They heard the word of God, but they had no faith. They walked through the Red Sea and then turned around and said, God is going to let us die of thirst. Unbelief. And we know the work of God in Jesus Christ to bring about a greater deliverance than their deliverance from Egypt through Moses and Joshua. We know the work of God in Jesus Christ to deliver us from slavery to sin and death and hell. We know the facts that Jesus Christ is God and man in one divine person. We know he lived a life of perfect obedience. We know he bore our sins in his own body on the tree. We know he died for our sins and was buried and was raised the third day according to the scriptures. We know it. Just like they knew God got them out of Egypt and through the Red Sea. Some of them didn't believe. They knew it, they saw it, but they didn't really believe it. You merely know about Jesus Christ or have you come to share in him? He offers rest all who come to him come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest but have you really come to him by faith today Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen.